You know, I, I don't know how some people say, well, that music's boring. Listen, if you listen to the words, it can't help but be one of your favorites. He walks with me and he talks with me. Brother Paul McPherson and I were reminiscing this week a little bit, and we were thinking about some of the old college students. Remember that, Brother Paul? And there was a fellow, how many of you remember Lawrence? I believe his last name was Retty, R-E-T-I. He was an Inuit fella, Lawrence. Remember Lawrence? Anybody? Some do. And Lawrence was a great, great soul winner. He never passed a hitchhiker. He'd pick them up and he'd lead them to the Lord. And there were a couple times he'd be picking up hitchhikers and he'd lead them to the Lord and bring them right to church instead of going, uh, going where they were going. And so he just was a great soul winner. One day he led a young lady to the Lord by the name of Andrea. And Andrea was a black girl. And they ended up getting married. And so, fellas, I'm telling you, you said, well, there's no girls around here. Go soul winning. Amen. Go reach somebody for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe David Tyrrell led Diane to the Lord years ago as a teenager, and I remember that story. And so, uh, what a wonderful blessing. But I remember Andrea got saved and joined the choir, and she sang that song. And that's what got it going in my mind this week. And she sang, I Come to the Garden Alone. And uh, she sang, um, I, I don't, I, I'm not trying to be dark. Black people just can sing sometimes, Amen. And she had, a, and she got to that chorus, and she sang, and he walks. And Dr. Strachan came up out of his chair, and Harry was beside him, and they were cheering. I mean, what, just power she sang with. What a wonderful blessing. It's amazing to take somebody that was unsaved and singing in the world and get saved, and now they're singing for Jesus. And now they, they, got, uh, they got married many years ago, and they moved up north to work in the ministry, and we haven't heard from them really since. But we trust the Lord they're serving God up in the, in the north with the Inuit people. So we thank the Lord for that. Let's take our Bibles this morning, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to start a series this morning and continue as the Lord allows us called Portraits of the Christ. It's interesting if you'll read the book of John that John just continuously presents Jesus Christ in a different way almost every chapter. And today we, he sets out to establish that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Next week, for example, we'll look in John chapter 2 and other chapters that present him as the Son of Man. Jesus was a servant. The Bible says he thought himself not robbery to be equal with God. So though he was equal with God, he still humbled himself. And he became a servant, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. So we're going to look next week at the Son of Man. But today we want to look at Christ as the Son of God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you'll put a little mark beside verse 1, that'll be mainly our text for this morning, just taking apart verse 1. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Isn't, is there a sadder verse in the Bible? Read it again. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The world had been plunged in sin and darkness for so long that when the light came, they couldn't even understand what it was. When Jesus came offering salvation and forgiveness of their sins, they couldn't comprehend it. They thought they were okay. They thought that this was the status quo and this was what life was all about and the religious system that we are in is, is enough to make us right with God. They didn't even see the light 
That was in Jesus Christ. And by the way, but verse 4 tells us what the light was. In him was life, and the life was the light. The light shineth in the darkness to offer life unto men. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the very Son of God, God in the flesh. That he would dwell among us, that we might see his glory. And understand that he came to save my lost and dying soul. Father, I pray that you'd help that light to shine in darkness continuously and to shine through us that others might see that Jesus Christ is the very Son of God that was come to save them from their sins. Father, I pray that you'd help us now. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. And Father, we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. In John's first chapter, the apostle unmistakably presents Christ as the Son of God. There's a language used that conveys to us that he's the only Son of God. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Singular. The only Son of God. Say, if you will, just repeat with me. You all know the verse, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. That's not consistent with a lot of other man-made religions. The Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus was a created being. He was Michael the archangel who became a man. Unfortunately, Michael the archangel was brothers of many other angels. He was not the only begotten. He was not the only created. And so we have a problem with their doctrine comparing it to the Bible. The Christian scientist says a man, that Jesus was a man in tune with the divine consciousness, but he was not the Christ. Islam says that Jesus Christ was created. He was a prophet, but he was not God. The Christadelphians say that he was created, and get this, he had a sin nature. Blasphemy. And the Mormons believe that he was a created being, and listen to this, he was the brother of Lucifer. My Bible says that he was the only begotten of the Father. The Bible goes on to say us, and we believe what the Bible declares, that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, that He was God in the flesh. Now, some here today, you may say, well, that's, that's wonderful. No, we are also children of God. The Bible says in John chapter 1, and verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them give He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. 
You might say, well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but I'm also a Son of God. John chapter 1, 12 says, if I believe in Him, I have the power to become a Son of God. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning. There's a huge difference between the only begotten Son and an adopted Son. The Bible says, if you'll read down in verse 13, uh, can I put it in, in the first person? I was born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of God, of man, but of God. Jesus Christ, in, in, in our thinking, He is the Son in, in blood. He's, he's blood to the Father. He is God the Son. Deity is different than natural flesh. We are adopted as sons, and we are placed in the family of God by the Holy Spirit. We have received the gift of eternal life, and we have been sealed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is not the same as being the eternal begotten Son of God. I'm also human, while Jesus is divine. Let me put it this way. I was born on June the 6th, 1972. I accepted Christ as my Savior in June of 1977. I was just a five-year-old little boy. Ephesians chapter 2 put it this way. I was quickened, made alive. That spirit that lied dead within me, now the Holy Spirit of God poured into me and I was sealed on the day of redemption and I was made alive. As far as I was concerned, in my finite mind, I had infinite life. And you say, wait a minute, you had eternal life. Now there's a difference. And let me, I believe the scripture bears this out and I hope it helps you understand something this morning. It took me a long time to get this. There was a definite point of time in my life where I bowed the knee and accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And from that point on, I became everlasting, infinite. That's what everlasting means. Everlasting means infinite. Infinite means it has a beginning, but it has no end. I will live forever. I have everlasting life, but there was a definite start to it. Now you say, wait a minute, John 3.15 says something different. Turn to John chapter 3 with me and let me show you what the Bible says. I want you to understand that many, many, many times in the Bible, we have scriptural Bible teaching and then we get a promise that is attached to it. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? How many of you remember Brother Teeson's message last week where he talked about from the book of Philippians chapter 4 where Paul received once and again for his needs and their care unto him flourished once again. Talking about the needs of his missionary needs and the Philippian church supplying for those needs. And so he says, I have seen over and over again, he says, for a while there you had some problems, but now it's flourishing again. You've supplied once again to my needs. We see the Bible principle and then Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. So we have the teaching, and then we have the promise. We have the teaching that Paul says, it's been my experience that God has supplied all my needs. And now I want to promise to you, God will also supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Let me show you John chapter 3. I believe it bears what I'm talking about out this morning. John chapter 3, we see a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He's a ruler of the Jews, and he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. He was building up to a question. He was buttering him up with flattery. But Jesus cut him off in verse 3 and answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, except, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we see that whole exchange about how a man can become born again. 
You're born of the water, but you're also born of the spirit. Born of the water is referring to a physical birth. When a, before a lady has a, a baby, her water breaks. That's born of the water. Born of the Spirit is a spiritual birth from the Lord Jesus Christ, from the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we get down to John chapter 3 and verse 14. The Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now the word eternal is different than everlasting. John 3.16 says we have everlasting life. And I want you to understand the difference. John chapter 3 verses 1 through 15 is teaching. John chapter 3 and verse 16 is the promise that summarizes the teaching. Let me put it this way. In 1977 when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I believed I had everlasting life. I would never die. But you know that before that day in June of 1977, if I had died and stood before God, do you know what God would have said to me? I never knew you. I never knew you. But on that day, from the perspective of God, I had eternal life. You say, what is the difference? The difference is because I have a finite mind. I understand that there was a day I came into this world. I understood there was a day that I was born again, that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I understood from that point I had everlasting life, infinite life. It would never end. But from God's perspective, He didn't see Alan Fury, a sinful little boy, anymore. What He saw was me clothed in the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And when He looked at His Son, His Son was eternal. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are in Christ Jesus. And when I'm in Christ Jesus, I'm eternal. Do you know that the Bible, when it talks about God being everlasting, about, uh, directly attributed to His attributes, it doesn't use the word once, it uses it twice. It says He is from everlasting to everlasting. That means He's everlasting going backwards, and He's everlasting going forwards. That means He is eternal. For me, I'm just everlasting. But when God looks at me, he says, well, he has eternal life. And I might argue with God. I shouldn't do that. But I might say, well, really, God, I don't have eternal life. I have everlasting life because I had a beginning. And God says, not as far as I'm concerned, you don't. Because you're in my son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus is eternal. That's why I said all of that, just to make the point. We could not have eternal life if Jesus Christ did not have eternal life. If Jesus Christ did not have no beginning and no ending, if Jesus Christ were not there in the beginning, the Bible says in Romans 3.24, it says about Christ this, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are, what? In Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 2.6, He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You understand, in order to have eternal life, you must be in Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You must be saved this morning. But that points us back to the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way I could ever be considered eternal and not just everlasting is if I'm in Christ Jesus. If I am placed in His grace, 
If I'm clothed in His righteousness, if I'm wrapped in His love, that is the only way I can be eternal. It's because He is eternal. Let me say it this way. Being in Christ changed everything. Being in Christ changed everything. Christ is from everlasting to everlasting. That is the equivalent to eternal. Now, thank God this morning that we are sons. Joint heirs with Christ, born again with new life, and adopted into His family. But Christ, He is the begotten of Son of God. We are adopted, but He is begotten. That is a unique place with a unique standing. I want to look at three things this morning about His deity. and We'll start with, first of all, His eternal deity. Look at John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. How many of you believe when the Holy Spirit is at work, there are coincidences? My Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All Scripture, every word. And the Bible says, in the beginning. Now, there's somewhere else that says that, isn't there? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was in the... He said, well, how do we know that the Word is Jesus Christ? Let's look at a few markers that we find in Scripture this morning. The Bible says in verse... Uh, Six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Who else could we be talking about but the Lord Jesus Christ? Who else can we call upon and be saved? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh the Father but by me. It is obvious that when John came crying in the wilderness and bearing witness of that light and that life that comes through the light, he was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Word. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There is no other character in history that we can say, uh, talk about when we talk about the incarnation. God becoming flesh. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Bible says in the book of Matthew that His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh. That word, Word, is being used again. And we look back at verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Listen, I, you'd have to be very dishonest with Scripture to deny that they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. John is writing about the Word. He says the Word was in the beginning. It is a statement of His eternal existence. There is no hint of creation, simply that He was there. John chapter 17 and verse 5, the Bible says this, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Jesus Christ is praying the high priestly prayer, praying for his disciples, praying for those that have been saved, and he's now about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners and offered up as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross of Calvary. And he begins to reminisce a little bit. He says, Father, I remember. I remember before the world began the glory that we shared. 
I look back in the history of time and I can see back in the day when we sat side by side, you at the throne and I at your right hand. And I can remember the angels singing our praises and giving us glory and shouting hallelujah. And I remember all that. And he says, now, glorify me again. This was an hour when he needed it the most. And so he says, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. A statement of his eternal existence. Matthew 1.23 is where we read, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, interpreted God with us. Mark 1.1 put it this way, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Luke 1.32 says, He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. All four gospel writers proclaim the eternity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, that He is deity. We see his eternal deity stated in, the, in his eternal existence. But I want you to notice it secondly, in his relation to God as Son. The Bible says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. Look at that next phrase. And the Word was with God. With God. That, that word means some, something different than what the face value of it is. Let me put it this way. We might use the word in two different ways as well. Let me demonstrate if I can. If I were to go to Colton tomorrow in the lunchroom, say, hey, Colton, what did you do last night after church? Well, I went over to the hockey game, watched the guys play hockey. Oh, really? Who'd you go with? Well, I went with Tanner, and I went with Channing, and I went with Austin, and I went with Caleb, and I went with... And what we would understand is he just went with all these guys. A bunch of the guys from the teens got together, and they went with each other. Now, if I were to go, if, if I were to run into uh, Lori Took and she says, the strangest thing just happened. I had this fella, she, I was down in the grocery store and I was getting some groceries and this fella come up to me and said, hi, you know, I, I just saw you across and you were smiling and you were singing a little tune there and you were happy and i just kind of like to get to know you a little better. And she might say something, oh no, you see that big fella over there? I'm with him. Now, her word with means something a little different than his. His means just that we kind of went together, we're with. Her with means we're in a relationship, buddy. Back off. You understand the difference? You might say that. I, I'm with Brad. Brad might even voice it a little bit louder. Hey, buddy, she's with me. You back off. You know, that, that might just happen. And, uh, you know, I, that probably happens every week to Mrs. Took at the grocery store. I don't know. But the word with has a little bit different meaning. The word with in the Bible follows the second meaning. It didn't mean that Jesus just was in heaven with God. He wasn't one of the angels just with God. The word with here means there was a relationship there. That it was intimate. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. They were one. They were together. Do you know what a marriage relationship is? It's two people becoming one. That's what a marriage relationship is. That's what this word with means. They were one and they were together. There was a oneness there. That speaks of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means a fellowship, a oneness, a togetherness. Jesus was with the Father. And then we see the third statement there. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And in case you didn't get it, the Word was God. John understands that he is writing 
to a people that may have never known the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, if we hand out literature, a lot of times we'll hand out a Gospel of John and Romans. John is usually the most explicit in the way he explains things and the way he lays it out. It's the simplest gospel to understand in a lot of ways. And John just lays it out, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Then he thought, well, maybe I better write something else. By the way, the Word is God. Just in case you're not getting it here. Just in case you're not understanding that oneness and that relationship and that fellowship. The fact that he was always been in the beginning. That he had a part in creation. The Word was God. The Bible just explicitly states His deity. He's not to be confounded with the Father. The previous phrase makes that clear, but He is co-equal in substance and in power. Boy, didn't we get a glimpse of that while He was on earth? As a matter of fact, John chapter 1, verse 14 promised that we would. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. They got to see miracles. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Him speak in a storm stilled on the Sea of Galilee. They saw Him call forth the dead from the grave. That is who Jesus Christ was. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. Secondly, this morning, I want you to notice His incarnation as the Son of God. Jesus Christ did not just stay at the right hand of the Father. He did not just sit and absorb the praises and the glory of the angels. Instead, He humbled Himself. But I want you to understand that while Jesus Christ was on this earth, He was just as much the Son of God as He was when He was in heaven. His essence, His being, His power, His knowledge was all supernatural. And yet He took upon human frail flesh to become a man. The Bible puts it this way, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's interesting the use the Bible uses here, the use of words. We might have written, well, the Word was made body. But body is only part of the flesh. The flesh is also my nature. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. The Bible says that he sat down beside a little well and he said, I thirst. He understood what it was to be hungry. He understood what it was like to be thirsty. I expect that every night when they bedded down all the disciples and built a campfire that Jesus Christ slept a little while as well. The Bible speaks about his time in agony on the cross and how he cried out in pain. He bled like you and I do. The Lord Jesus Christ was subject to temptation, yet he never sinned. We see in the wilderness the devil approached him three times, and all three times he turned him away with Scripture. By the way, the Bible says to you, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But Jesus Christ became flesh, not just an embodied spirit, not just some some creature that was possessed by the Spirit of God, but instead He allowed that body to understand the appetites and the hurtings of it. The Bible says He stood outside the tomb of Lazarus and He wept. He was burdened for Mary and Martha and for the pain that they felt. He had compassion. He understood what it was like to feel emotion. 
The Lord Jesus Christ did all that so that he might empathize with us. So that the Bible says, put it this way, that he would know the feeling of our infirmities. Brother Dorkson sings a great song. All three verses have somebody complaining in it. Talking about how tired they are in the service of the Lord. And the chorus goes on. My feet were also weary up the Calvary road. The cross became so heavy I fell beneath the load. Boy, you think you got it tough. The Lord Jesus Christ knows what pain is. He knows what sorrow is. He knows what suffering is. He knows what being tired is all about. He became flesh. The Son of God so that he would know the feeling of your infirmities. The Bible also says he was made flesh and he dwelt among us. His incarnation included condescension. Boy, we have a God in heaven that loves us, but we had a Savior also that walked among us. Condescended himself, humbled himself. And became flesh. And the Bible says he not only became flesh, and we're going to look at this more next week, he became a servant. Took upon himself the form of a servant. The Son of Man. The Son of God becoming the Son of Man. What a demotion. What a condescension. But he did it because he loves us. He cares about us. Thirdly, this morning, I want you to see his revelation as the Son of God. We've talked about briefly this morning his eternal deity and his incarnation. Look at his revelation in the last part of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 14. The gospel writer has made this a parenthetical statement. Almost as if to say, when he says we beheld, it's not a universal statement. It's more about what he saw personally. It says we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. The parentheses seem to indicate that when John said we, he was speaking of a select few. For if Pilate had seen His glory, he would have never crucified Him. If King Herod had seen Him raise Lazarus from the grave, He would have never allowed him to be put to death. If the multitudes had cried out, crucify him, had been healed or touched in some other way, they would have stopped their mouths on that fateful day. But I thank God this morning and I trust that you who are believers here today can say with the the writer, we've seen his glory. We know what Lord Jesus Christ can do. We've seen how He has touched lives and changed lives. I was speaking to somebody here at church this morning. I I don't want to embarrass them, so I'm not going to say their name. Maybe they'll share their testimony someday. He told me this years ago, back at 154 Maple Street. He came as an alcoholic. He said his wife said, Do you think you can quit drinking? I could quit any time. But he said, I couldn't. So I could easily drive to Simcoe and drink six beers on my way and take another 12 home with me. So it didn't even phase me. 
So, so my wife kind of dared me to go and see Dr. Strachan one day. He says, and I got there, well, and he said, I'll be there at 9 o'clock, and I got there at 5 to 9, and his car wasn't there yet, and he said, oh good, he's not here, I'm going. So I drove around the block a couple times, and his car was there. And I went in, and I heard Dr. Strachan's voice, are you looking for me? And Yeah. They talked for a while, and he says, are you an alcoholic? He says, no, I'm not an alcoholic. He says, but you like to drink? Oh, yeah. He says, you're sure you're not? No, I'm not an alcoholic. He says, but you want to stop? And he says, yeah, I want to stop. My wife wants me to stop. So he says, Dr. Strachan says, turn around to that chair and kneel down beside that chair. And he says, you tell God right now you're an alcoholic. You confess your sin. He says, I did. I got on my knees and I confessed that I'm an alcoholic. He says, he says, that was 40 years ago. And he said, I've never wanted to drink again. I'm glad somebody shared that testimony with me this morning. Because I got to hear how God still has the power to change lives. That he dwelt among us, and I, I, can, I can go back to that person this morning and I can say, Hey, you got to see his glory. You got to see what Christ can do. You got to see how Christ can work a miracle in a life. Let me ask you this morning have you seen his glory? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he was made flesh and he dwelt among us. Why? Because he wants you to see it too. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to come to God through Him. Trust Him for salvation. Do you know Jesus Christ today? You can meet Him this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Nobody's looking around. So one here this morning said, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I, I don't know that I've ever met the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I see in the Scriptures that He's the Son of God. That He was in the beginning. He was there at creation. John 17, he said he was there before creation. He always was. But now I also understand that he became a man. The Bible says the Word was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And I want to see his glory. I want to enter into a relationship with him today. I want to be saved. Maybe there's some things in, maybe you're not an alcoholic, but maybe you've got something else. The Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned. It comes short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 But, the greatest but in all the Bible, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We'd be happy to have somebody take a Bible today and show you what it means to have eternal life. They'll spend some time, they'll answer any questions that you have and open the scriptures. They'll take you to those very same scriptures. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just need to understand this morning, I'm not trying to put anybody down. We're all in the same boat. We've all missed the mark of God's righteousness and, and holiness. That's all that means. The alcoholic is no worse off than the liar. He said, well, I only tell little white lies. Hmm. We've all sinned. But Christ died for all sins. For God so loved the world, every last one of us, that all we have to do is put our faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary. It's nothing that you can do. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. Grace is a gift. And all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I want to tell you a secret here this morning that you might not know if you're visiting with us or if, you're, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I can, I can promise you this. There are many Christians in this room right now that are already praying for your soul. I, I know that. I know the character of some of our folks and I know that they're already bowing their heads and praying, God, if there's one that's not saved, would you speak to their hearts? It's because they love you. And they want to see you saved today. They want you to come to Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if there's one here today, say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you step out on that first verse, walk down this aisle, take my hand, and we'll direct you to somebody, a man with a man, a lady with a lady. We want to help you this morning as best we can to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Maybe there's some here today that just need to come lay a burden down at this old-fashioned altar. There's some that are standing in need of prayer, and somebody can come and pray with you. Would you step out and come? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face.